0: Um, you know, Nicole was talking about we were we were at the very start of the fast, people already had some things that begin to happen in their life. You know whenever you make a sacrifice, um, we talked about last week how fire falls on sacrifice. fire falls on sacrifice and and Nicole was talking about and i 'd like you to come up here just for a minute because you talked about how God was sharing something with you right at the start of the fast when you were trying to decide what you were going to fast. Do you remember what I'm talking about? We, I shared it at a Bible study, mm-hmm. like the how-to. Yeah. I just lost it. Um, so, so I was like, okay, when I was asking, it was, I hadn't had breakfast, and I was like, should I, should I fast breakfast? You were trying to decide what to fast, and you were waiting for God to tell you what to fast when we, when we first started. Yes, and so I I was praying and I was like, Lord, what you show me, show me what you want me to fast. Do I fast breakfast? Do I do I not eat until what 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 what, what kind of foods, whatever? And he he basically said, you're fasting for me. I'm not asking you to fast, so it's up to you what what you're going to fast. And so I it, he 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 just he put it back on me, and so it it was. So I, I decided to fast, you know, the, 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 the meat, sweets, and stuff like that, and yeah. a little bit more, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, well, what I took away from it, honey, was you said, and I wrote it down, you said, don't put off on him what belongs to you. So this is what I gathered, is that God determines the fast, but we determine the sacrifice. Does that make sense? That God determines and, and speaks to your heart, puts it on your heart to fast something. Have you ever had that happen? You know, but then you're going to determine what's, what kind of sacrifice are you going to bring. Is it going to be something that costs you? Or is it going to be something that, you know, I can just kind of slide by on the fast? And, you know, the, we've all done the corporate fast where we've just gone hungry. How many of you have ever done that? You've just done a fast and, yeah, I went hungry. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not the kind of fast that we want to be on. Amen? <laughs> we want to be on a fast that's going to present a sacrifice that's going to be sweet smelling to our God and Savior but i got to tell you this what i've discovered is that our comfort is not a priority to god man when you think about in fact go over to acts chapter 9 you're probably already in acts but acts chapter 9 <clears throat> and we know this from paul because Paul did not have a comfortable life. In fact, we read this in chapter 9, verse 16. He said, for I will show him, God is talking to Ananias, and he's telling him what he's going to do for Saul, who's going to become Paul. And he says, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And we look at Paul's life, and Paul just had Incident after incident, he did not have an easy life. His life was full of suffering. It was full of sacrifice. It was full of perseverance. And a lot of that stuff would do us a lot of good, wouldn't it? Because we wouldn't be so quick to give up on faith when we're believing God, when we're standing in faith for something, you know, it's it's that distance between starting and seeing the manifestation of it. It's that distance between where we're taking the ax and we're hitting the wood in the same spot over and over and over. And we've smacked this thing 15 times and we look at the wood and it doesn't even, we don't even see a dent in the wood. Well, how long do you have to cut the wood before it splits? Until it splits. That's the answer. So we stand in faith until we see the answer that we're believing God for. You don't, you don't give up and, and throw up your hands and say, well, God, I tried this and it doesn't work. I've believed God for a long time. i believe God for years and I haven't seen the manifestation of it. Well, guess what? There were prophets that died before you that stood in faith for years and years and years and years and they didn't see the manifestation of it, but generations later did. And it was because they didn't give up, but they persevered in faith. This isn't even my message. This is all free right now. They persevered in faith and they stuck with it. Let me tell you, my wife and I, when we got married 30 years ago, we decided that divorce was not an option. It was a resolve. It was a, it was not just a declaration. It was not, gee, I hope this works. It was a definitive, "Uh uh-uh, we're in it to win it. And when, when you have that mindset that divorce is not an option, then you persevere through challenges. You persevere through problems. You persevere through the things that, that you know, that come against your marriage. Well, it's the same thing in faith. It's the same thing in the fast, <laughs> isn't it? You persevered through hunger pains because the hunger pains came, didn't they? And they keep coming. <laughs> and they keep coming. You go, ah, we got to... One more week and I can eat coffee. Yeah, Phil, but, but didn't you have headaches when you stopped drinking coffee? No, I didn't, actually, thank God, but this year. But I'll tell you what did happen was I got aches all through my body, mainly in my hips and in my legs. And I had it for three days. I mean, it was waking me up at night, and I thought, Lord, what is this? And it dawned on me, detox, this is detox because you know that your body uses whatever fluid you put inside of it to lubricate your joints well all that coffee was lubricating my joints you know and i needed some water in there well, even though coffee's made of there's water in coffee but it doesn't doesn't do all of it you know you drink, you need to drink a lot of water too but my point is this is that what if I had decided second day in because, I mean, I would take a bath at night thinking, man, you know, and I'd feel better for, you know, just a few minutes and then I'd lay down and, ah, my legs, you know, or whatever, I mean, it would come back. So what if the second day in, I would have decided, you know, I've tried this fast and stuff and it just doesn't work. Obviously, it's affecting my body in the wrong way. We, we're pretty good at twisting some stuff, <laughs> you know, at those moments, especially when you're moved by feelings, it's like going to the grocery store and shopping when you're hungry. That's a bad idea, yeah. right? Yeah, because you buy all kinds of stuff or take your husband to the grocery store with you. You buy all kinds of stuff. When I go to the grocery store with Nicole, she's like, why are we buying all of this stuff? But I didn't have headaches. It was a detox. So it's discomfort though. When we're in discomfort is when we discover dependency. What's outside of your comfort zone? Discomfort. So, I mean, not only talking about a fast, but you start pressing toward a, a vision that God's given you, a dream that he's put in your heart, something he's dropped inside of, and you start walking toward it, and it's a discom- it's not a comfortable place for you. Maybe you're doing things that you've never done before, having to experience things you've never experienced before. And so we have a tendency because we like our comfort. I mean, come on. We like our fireplace. We like our, you know, our love sack, whatever. I mean, we love comfort. But God hasn't called us to be comfortable. He's called us to get out into, out of our comfort zone, into discomfort, which is where Paul was. Paul's one of the most amazing men to me I've ever seen in the Bible. I mean, he was stoned. They thought they killed him. He was literally stoned. They dragged him out of the city. They left him for dead, thinking he had to be dead. He got up, brushed himself off, walked right back in the city. I mean, the guy, he, had, he, he, he was whipped 39 times. And that happened four different times. I believe it was four. Don't quote me. Check me. Check me on that one. Ah. Uh. But he persevered. He persevered through every circumstance, through every struggle. He persevered until he got past it. And then at the end of his life, he said, I have run my course. I have run my race. I've accomplished the goal. I've won the prize. Man, thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So you found Acts 13. So if you're struggling through the fast, know this. You're dethroning the flesh. You're posturing your heart in a place of humility. And you're ministering to Jesus. Did you know that if you're struggling through the fast, you're ministering to Jesus? Let's read it. Acts 13. Look at verse 1. It says, Now in the church... That was in Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, who was called Niger, Lucius this from Cyrene, uh, from uh, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and then Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them away. Now that second verse, look at what it says. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. I want to read that to you out of the New Life version. It says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and eating no food so they could pray better. Did you catch that? While they were worshiping the Lord and eating... Food, so they could pray better. When uh, this last a month ago, my wife and I were blessed with a trip to Myrtle Beach, and I've learned that if somebody blesses you with a trip, you should go on the trip. You know, and uh, and it was amazing. It was in a this this tall glass tower. We were on the 17th floor of this condo, uh, right on the beach. You just walk out, and you were right on the beach, and the windows were ceiling to floor windows. And it was all the way through the condo. I mean, all the way—the bedroom, the kitchen, the the, the dining room, living room—it was all windows. And anyway, I I remember making the comment up there because it was so beautiful. Everywhere you looked was like, wow, it's just gorgeous. It's just beautiful around right here. And uh, I told Nicole, I said, I think I pray much better here. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I feel like I could pray better here. Well. And then I read the scripture, and I thought, oh, it doesn't have anything to do with location. It has to do with fasting. Look at what it said. While they were worshiping the Lord and eating no food, they could pray better. Eating no food so they could pray better. That was an interesting statement to me. So how did they minister to the Lord? They ministered to the Lord by fasting. By fasting. This is not the only way that you can minister to the Lord, but we've been talking about fasting the last couple of days, so I, or last couple of Sundays. So I want to encourage you to, to uh, you know, uh, go back and listen to the first two if you haven't. and You can catch up with us. But <clears throat> fasting is like, all through Scripture, when you read the Old Testament, when you read the New Testament, you're going to see fast, prayer and fasting. They're going to be connected all the way through the Old Testament, in the New Testament, you'll see it. We just Acts 13, read about how they fasted and prayed. They were making a major decision. That's a major decision. Who's going to go minister? Who are we going to send out? And they prayed, they fasted, and the Holy Spirit gave them the answer. You know, and that's what I'm believing, God, that as you are praying, spending time in prayer, because this needs to be a part of your fast, is the reason that we fast, you skip a meal, Uh, You know, if your fast is skipping a meal, then you give that time to the Lord. And you spend time with him, fasting and praying him. And then he's going to give you answers. But so this is like, this is such an important ingredient in our Christian walk. And, uh, you know, my mom, uh, she, back in the day, she cooked a lot. And she's a fantastic cook. And she has several different meals her spaghetti sauce, oh, my word, it's like chili. It's amazing. I mean, it's got all the meat in it. It's just, it tastes so good. And when I married Nicole and we had spaghetti the first time, and she poured ragu on it, I was like. <laughs> and uh, I thought, we need to show this girl what chili, you know, what, what spaghetti sauce really looks like for, you know, mamas. But anyway, but if I ate, that's like one of my favorite dishes that she fixed. If I ate it and it doesn't taste right, I would go to mom and say, Mom, why doesn't this taste right? And maybe she fixed it, but she didn't have an ingredient because it wasn't in the pantry. And so she cooked it with, well, I just cooked it without that one ingredient. That's, it's not ex- as as exciting to eat. It's still, still spaghetti sauce, but it's missing A key ingredient and I believe that that's kind of what fasting has been in the body of Christ because I mean let's face it we're not growing up in a culture here where people like to suffer very much people don't enjoy sacrifice a lot you know if I told you hey the next three Sundays I'm going to be doing a series on fasting I don't know if you guys would be real excited about coming I said if I did a series on fasting (laughs) I don't know if you'd be real excited about coming Okay, I just, yeah, maybe you're not excited anyway, I don't know. Uh, So Acts 13, the church, they went and they got God's strategy. You know, but we, we have all kinds of plans. We have systems, we have strategies, we have formulas, and many of them are not God-initiated. And so what God didn't start, he's not obligated to complete. Well, how do you know that? Well, let's turn over to, to Philippians chapter 1, and I'll show you. That's the problem, is that God, God's not responsible to finish what we start. He's responsible for her stuff, his stuff. And believe me, he's a finisher. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end. He's a finisher. He's a finisher. I remember I was asking when we were traveling in missions, we had different interns that came and traveled with us. And one young man, um, he, was, he was from the Ukraine. And I said, so tell me something unique about yourself. You know, I just want to know something unique. He grew up in uh, Sacramento, California. And uh, at that time, I was familiar with the trip because we'd made it from Sacramento over to San Francisco. It was about three hours. And we took the team over, you know, for the day and walked the pier and just did some stuff. And Anyway, he was telling me, he said, well, when I, was, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, he said, I rode my bike from Sacramento all the way to San Francisco. I went, you did? And it's not just like a, it's not like Oklahoma Flat or anything. I mean, it's, there's mountains that you, that you go through. And I said, oh my word, what'd you do when you got to Vacaville? I mean, you know, because that's when it starts to go. And he said, I almost quit. He said, but... I didn't want to quit. I said, "So, did you prepare for this trip? Did you have like, you know, all the gear and backpack?" And he said, "No. I actually just one day decided to do it, and I took off. He didn't even buy water. Didn't take, you know, anything with him. And he made it all the way to San Francisco. I said, well, what did you do when you got there? He said, "I called my brother and asked him to come pick me up." <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay." I, but I, but what impressed me was that he finished. He set out to do something, and he wasn't going to quit until he finished it. This is the God you serve. He always finishes what he starts. But I think sometimes we're expecting him to finish what we start. Look at what it says in Philippians 1, verse 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun. What did it say? He who has begun. Who began? He He did. He's the one that began. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Till the day of Jesus Christ. He, he's, he takes care of his stuff. Hmm. He didn't begin. <laughs> if he didn't begin it, he has no commin- commitment to end it for us. All right. So we have to go to him and discover his plan. God, what's your plan in this situation? That's where fasting and prayer comes in. All right. The early church, they really exampled this well. You know, in fact, in that scripture, notice in Acts 13, in in verses 1 through 4, that when they fasted, they fasted two different times. It says that they fasted to find out God's will, but then they fasted again to commit Paul and Barnabas to carry out God's will. Wow. That's pretty important. Fasting is playing an important part here. It says in verse 4, it says, And being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the difference I don't know about you. I don't want to go out by myself. Remember Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with us, don't, then we're not going. I will only, Moses got it. Moses had such a close relationship. He's the one that went up on the mountain when all the other children of Israel, they were, they were content to stay back here and say, well, you just tell us what he said. Mm -hmm. No, God wanted everyone to come up on the mountain. He wants you and I to come up on the mountain. That's why he's brought the Holy Spirit. And he said, listen, I'm I'm not only going to get you born again and saved, but I'm going to put my spirit inside you. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus breathed on the disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were born again. That's when the disciples were born again. Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of of us. And, And so the good news is... Is, is that he'll speak to my heart and show me the way to go. He's our guide. He's tour guide Barbie. He's the tour guide. He takes us where we're supposed to. That was a joke, but he <laughs> takes. You guys just don't laugh at I him, and it's okay. It was a really bad joke. But, you know, I, just for those that might listen to this later. <laughs> Because they don't hear anything and think, is he preaching about Barbie? Okay, so listen to, what, listen to what sent means in the Greek. It means sent and accompanied, accompanied. Sent and accompanied, meaning the Holy Spirit went with them. He went with them. Oh, I don't want to go alone. How about you? So how did they make that important decision? Through prayer and fasting. All right, turn over to Mark. Mark chapter 2. I've heard people say, you know Phil, I you know I appreciate fasting and I think it's I think it's a great idea. I think some people should do that. But, you know, as as for me, you know, I've been born again. Jesus he has come and he lives on the inside of me now, so he's with me all the time, so I don't need to fast. Okay. Let's let's look at that. It says in Mark 2, look at verse 19. They had come to Jesus and asked him, You know, why don't your disciples fast? You know, and some people may say that fast, may say, I don't want to fast because Jesus' disciples didn't fast. I don't need to fast because the bridegroom was with them. I'm born again and Jesus is with me. Okay. Well, <clears throat> so they came to Jesus and they said, Why don't your disciples fast? And so this is Jesus' response in verse 19. He said, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom, with them, they cannot fast. Who's the bridegroom? Jesus. Okay, verse 20. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast in those days. What's he talking about? When, he, when he's taken away, when he's crucified, and then he is resurrected, and he goes to be with the Father in heaven. So listen to this, though. What Jesus is showing us in this is that he is showing us that fasting has to do a lot with the presence of the bridegroom through this statement. Presence is connected. His presence is connected to fasting. Why is it that when we fast, suddenly there's so much clarity? Many of you were here last week when um, Ryan was here, and you know we had we started the fast. was it Sunday? the first, so the first was on a Sunday, and we had we had the service and we talked to, we preached on fasting and and so that Monday was when I got the call from Ryan. you know I got the, actually got the call over the weekend, and Cherry had let me know that somebody had called the church line, and I called him back and and I remembered thinking because he began to tell me about he's a, you know, his situation. and He was obviously demon-possessed and had things going on that were very serious. And, and I'll tell you a scripture that's been very comforting to me. Whenever I'm standing for healing, whenever I'm standing for, you know, whenever I'm faced with a situation like Ryan where we need to go pray and we need to cast a demon out of him because that demon doesn't belong. You can't leave him like that. The guy's calling out for help, you know, and uh, and the scripture that I stand on is this one. It says, "There is no temptation such as is common to man." Say it again. First Corinthians Corinthians ten thirteen. Let's go there. First Corinthians ten thirteen. I this wasn't in my notes, but man, I'm happy to go there. First Corinthians. Thank you, John. You're a good man i don't care what they say about you john i'm, te- I'm teasing <laughs> me neither <laughs> good for you 13. yeah i'm gonna highlight it too all right it says no temptation has overtaken us except such as common to man but god is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able God won't allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. And I remembered thinking when Ryan called, I said, Lord, you've had him call for a reason. You've had him get through to us for a reason. It's because you have graced us to be able to go and help this guy, help this man. That means if you have a a nudging or or a a sensing in your heart that I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast tomorrow. I just feel like I'm supposed to fast tomorrow. If God is nudging you to do that, then that means that there's no temptation that you cannot overcome by the grace of God. If you're being directed by the Holy Spirit, you feel a sense that, you know, I want to fast over that. Let me tell you, those first few fasts, when Zach said it felt like I was going to die, yeah, I could identify with that. I remember those first fasts I went on. But let me tell you, it gets easier. Have you ever not worked out for years and then gone and worked out and, and felt your arms the day, the week, maybe two weeks after? I remember that first time I hadn't worked out. I was 35. I hadn't worked out since I was 16. And I remember, I, I mean, I used the 10 I didn't even, I used the 10 pounders. It's not like I was even really pumping anything, you know, it was just, I thought I'm gonna ease into this thing. And I remember I couldn't bend my arms past here. And a buddy at work came over and he was poking me in my chest, I was going, ha, ha, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you know, cause you're just so sore. Oh, anyway, but yeah, that's called suffering. It's a good thing, it's a sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice to our Father. But here's the challenge with the living sacrifice. They have a tendency to crawl off of the altar They do. And uh, (laughs) that's why you need resolve. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you can help me do this. I'm having hunger pains right now, but God, I thank you that that just makes this sacrifice all that sweeter for you. I can make it. I can make it. All right, I'm gonna I close on that. I was gonna read, you know what? I need, I need to go ahead and read this. This is Isaiah. Turn over to Isaiah, because we need to read this together. Isaiah 58. <clears throat> Are you getting something out of this? Glory to God. All right. Glory to God. Um, Isaiah 58. I'm gonna start in verse one. It says, shout with the voice of tri- with a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be tempted. Tell me, tell the people of Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf. They pretend they want to to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I responded. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting? When you keep on fighting and quarreling, this kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind, you dress in burlap, you cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this pleases the Lord? No, this kind of fasting, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains of the blind. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those in need of them. And do not hide from your relatives who need your help. (laughs) Do I need to repeat that one again? Do not hide from your relatives who need your help. Um, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will click, quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, here I am. He will quickly reply. Now I want to end with two, uh, two thoughts as we come to a close. Second Corinthians seven fourteen. It's a Second uh, Chronicles, excuse me, seven fourteen. It's a scripture that you probably many of you have memorized. It says this: It says, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal heal their land." So there's four things that God asks us to do. There's four steps he asks us to take and then in response he says I'll take three steps toward you. He says humble yourselves, pray, seek my face. This is deeper than prayer. Oftentimes prayer can be relegated to just asking God for things. Seeking his face is pressing in until you find him. See there's There's the Holy Spirit in me that's for me, but then there's the Holy Spirit that can come on me that's for you. This Holy Spirit was in me to help me overcome the temptation to not answer Ryan's phone call, and then the Holy Spirit came on me for him when we were there in his house, praying for him and casting demons out. It was the Holy Spirit that was casting him out. But he needed us. He needs us. Look at your neighbor and say, he needs you. And then the last scripture I want to read in Joel chapter 2, verse 15 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babies, let the bridegroom come out of his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is the Lord? And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. After what? After the people met the conditions. There's an amazing thing that happens through fasting, through your sacrifice and your willingness to bring and and to do a fast with the Lord is, is you meet certain conditions with Him to be able to pour out His Spirit on you. He wants to. Now, I'm not saying fast, fasting is to fix all That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the only way that we get close to God. But this is a key way that we've kind of pushed off and said, yeah, that's good. You know, I don't really need to lose weight right now, or I don't really need to go through that, have that experience. I'm good. I'm finding God in many other ways. And yes, yes, you can. But it could be that God is calling you to a fast at times. And I, I don't know about you. I found this that that. Obedience is always better than sacrifices. Amen.